Story sixteen of Strictly Business. More stories of the four million by O. Henry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Warren Cotty, Gurney, Illinois. Story sixteen Compliments of the Season. There are no more Christmas stories to write. Fiction is exhausted, and newspaper items, the next best, are manufactured by clever young journalists who have married early and have an engagingly pessimistic view of life. Therefore, for seasonable diversion, we are reduced to very questionable sources, facts and philosophy. We will begin with whichever you choose to call it. Children are pestilential little animals, with which we have to cope under a bewildering variety of conditions. Especially when childish sorrows overwhelm them, are we put to our wits' end. We exhaust our paltry store of consolation, and then beat them, sobbing, to sleep. Then we grovel in the dust of a million years, and ask God why. Thus we call out of the rat-trap. As for the children, no one understands them except old maids, hunchbacks, and shepherd-dogs. Now comes the facts in the case of the rag-doll, the Tatterdemalion, and the 25th of December. On the 10th of that month, the child of the millionaire lost her rag-doll. There were many servants in the millionaire's palace on the Hudson, and these ransacked the house and grounds, but without finding the lost treasure. The child was a girl of five, and one of those perverse little beasts that often wound the sensibilities of wealthy parents by fixing their affections upon some vulgar, inexpensive toy, instead of upon diamond-studded automobiles and pony phaetons. The child grieved sorely and truly, a thing inexplicable to the millionaire, to whom the rag-doll market was about as interesting as Bay State gas, and to the lady, the child's mother, who was all form, that is, nearly all, as you shall see. The child cried inconsolably, and grew hollow-eyed, knock-kneed, spindling, and Cory Kilverty in many other respects. The millionaire smiled and tapped his coffers confidently. The pick of the output of the French and German toy-makers was rushed by special delivery to the mansion. But Rachel refused to be comforted. She was weeping for her rag-child, and was for a high protective tariff against all foreign foolishness. Then doctors with the finest bedside manners and stopwatches were called in. One by one, they chattered futilely about peptomanganate of iron and sea voyages and hypophosphites until their stopwatches showed that Bill Rendered was under the wire for show or place. Then, as men, they advised that the ragdoll be found as soon as possible and restored to its mourning parent. The child sniffed at therapeutics, chewed a thumb, and wailed for her Betsy. And all this time cablegrams were coming from Santa Claus, saying that he would soon be here and enjoining us to show a true Christian spirit 
and let up on the pool rooms and tontine policies and platoon systems long enough to give him a welcome everywhere the spirit of christmas was diffusing itself the banks were refusing loans the pawnbrokers had doubled their gang of helpers people bumped your shins on the streets with red sleds thomas and jeremiah bubbled before you on the bars while you waited on one foot holly wreaths of hospitality were hung in windows of the stores they who had em were getting their furs you hardly knew which was the best bet in balls three high moth or snow it was no time at which to lose the rag doll or your heart if dr watson's investigating friend had been called in to solve this mysterious disappearance he might have observed on the millionaire's wall a copy of the vampire that would have quickly suggested by induction a rag and a bone and a hank of hair flip a scotch terrier next to the rag doll in the child's heart frisked through the halls the hank of hair aha x the unfound quantity represented the rag doll but the bone well when dogs find bones they done it were an easy and fruitful task to examine flip's forefeet look watson earth dried earth between the toes of course the dog but sherlock was not there therefore it devolves but topography and architecture must intervene the millionaire's palace occupied a lordly space in front of it was a lawn close mowed as a south ireland man's face two days after a shave at one side of it and fronting on another street was a plaisance trimmed to a leaf and the garage and stables the scotch pup had ravished the rag doll from the nursery dragged it to a corner of the lawn dug a hole and buried it after the manner of careless undertakers there you have the mystery solved and no checks to write for the hypodermical wizard or fippin notes to toss to the sergeant then let's get down to the heart of the thing tiresome readers the christmas heart of the thing fuzzy was drunk not riotously or helplessly or loquaciously as you or i might get but decently appropriately and inoffensively as becomes a gentleman down on his luck fuzzy was a soldier of misfortune the road the haystack the park bench the kitchen door the bitter round of eleemosynary beds with shower bath attachment the petty pickings and ignobly garnered largesse of great cities these form the chapters of his history fuzzy walked toward the river down the street that bounded one side of the millionaire's house and grounds he saw a leg of betsy the lost rag doll protruding like the clue to a lilliputian murder mystery from its untimely grave in a corner of the fence he dragged forth the maltreated infant tucked it under his arm and went on his way crooning a road song of his brethren that no doll that has been brought up to a sheltered life should hear well for betsy that she had no ears and well that she had no eyes save unseeing circles of black 
for the faces of fuzzy and the scotch terrier were those of brothers and the heart of no ragdoll could withstand twice to become the prey of such fearsome monsters though you may not know it grogan's saloon stands near the river and near the foot of the street down which fuzzy travelled in grogan's christmas cheer was already rampant fuzzy entered with his doll he fancied that as a mummer at the feast of saturn he might earn a few drops from the wassail cup he set betsy on the bar and addressed her loudly and humorously seasoning his speech with exaggerated compliments and endearments as one entertaining his lady friend the loafers and bibbers around caught the farce of it and roared the bartender gave fuzzy a drink oh many of us carry ragdolls one for the lady suggested fuzzy impudently and tucked another contribution to art beneath his waistcoat he began to see possibilities in betsy his first night had been a success visions of a vaudeville circuit about town dawned upon him in a group near the stove sat pigeon mccarthy black riley and one-ear mike well and unfavorably known in the tough shoestring district that blackened the left bank of the river they passed a newspaper back and forth among themselves the item that each solid and blunt forefinger pointed out was an advertisement headed one hundred dollars reward to earn it one must return the rag doll lost strayed or stolen from the millionaire's mansion it seemed that grief still ravaged unchecked in the bosom of the too faithful child flip the terrier capered and shook his absurd whisker before her powerless to distract she wailed for her betsy in the faces of walking talking mamma-ing and eye-closing french mabels and violets the advertisement was a last resort black riley came from behind the stove and approached fuzzy in his one-sided parabolic way the christmas mummer flushed with success had tucked betsy under his arm and was about to depart to the filling of impromptu dates elsewhere say bo said black riley to him where did you cop out that doll this doll asked fuzzy touching betsy with his forefinger to be sure that she was the one referred to why this doll was presented to me by the emperor of baluchistan i have seven hundred others in my country home in newport this doll she's the funny business said riley you swiped it or picked it up at the house on the hill where but never mind that you want to take fifty cents for the rags and take it quick me brother's kid at home might be wantin to play with it hey what he produced the coin fuzzy laughed a gurgling insolent alcoholic laugh in his face go to the office of sarah bernhard's manager and propose to him that she be released from a night's performance to entertain the tacky town lyceum and literary coterie you will hear the duplicate of fuzzy's laugh black riley gauged fuzzy quickly with his blueberry eye as a wrestler does his hand was itching to play the roman 
and wrest the rag sabine from the extemporaneous mary andrew who was entertaining an angel unaware but he refrained fuzzy was fat and solid and big three inches of well-nourished corporeity defended from the winter winds by dingy linen intervened between his vest and trousers countless small circular wrinkles running around his coat-sleeves and knees guaranteed the quality of his bone and muscle his small blue eyes bathed in the moisture of altruism and wooziness looked upon you kindly yet without abashment he was whiskerly whiskily fleshily formidable so black riley temporized what you take for it then he asked money said fuzzy with husky firmness cannot buy her he was intoxicated with the artist's first sweet cup of attainment to set a faded blue earth-stained rag-doll on a bar to hold mimic converse with it and to find his heart leaping with the sense of plaudits earned and his throat scorching with free libations poured in his honor could base coin buy him from such achievements you will perceive that fuzzy had the temperament fuzzy walked out with the gait of a trained sea lion in search of other cafes to conquer though the dusk of twilight was hardly yet apparent lights were beginning to spangle the city like popcorn bursting in a deep skillet christmas eve impatiently expected was peeping over the brink of the hour millions had prepared for its celebration towns would be painted red you yourself have heard the horns and dodged the capers of the saturnalians pigeon mccarthy black riley and one ear mike held a hasty converse outside grogan's they were narrow-chested pallid striplings not fighters in the open but more dangerous in their ways of warfare than the most terrible of turks fuzzy in a pitched battle could have eaten the three of them in a go-as-you-please encounter he was already doomed they overtook him just as he and betsy were entering costigan's casino they deflected him and shoved the newspaper under his nose fuzzy could read and more boys said he you are certainly damn true friends give me a week to think it over the soul of a real artist is quenched with difficulty the boys carefully pointed out to him that advertisements were soulless and that the deficiencies of the day might not be supplied by the morrow a cool hundred said fuzzy thoughtfully and mushily boys said he you are true friends i'll go up and claim the reward the show business is not what it used to be night was falling more surely the three tagged at his sides to the foot of the rise on which stood the millionaire's house there fuzzy turned upon them acrimoniously you are a pack of putty-faced beagle-hounds he roared go away they went away a little way in pigeon mccarthy's pocket was a section of one-inch gas-pipe eight inches long in one end of it and in the middle of it 
was a lead plug one half of it was packed tight with solder black riley carried a slung shot being a conventional thug one ear mike relied upon a pair of brass knucks an heirloom in the family why fetch and carry said black riley when someone will do it for ye let him bring it out to us hey what we can chuck him in the river said pigeon mccarthy with a stone tied to his feet you guys make me tired said one ear mike sadly ain't progress ever appealed to none of yous sprinkle a little gasoline on him and drop him on the drive well fuzzy entered the millionaire's gate and zigzagged toward the softly glowing entrance of the mansion the three goblins came up to the gate and lingered one on each side of it one beyond the roadway they fingered their cold metal and leather confident fuzzy rang the doorbell smiling foolishly and dreamily an atavistic instinct prompted him to reach for the button of his right glove but he wore no gloves so his left hand dropped embarrassed the particular menial whose duty it was to open doors to silks and laces shied at first sight of fuzzy but a second glance took in his passport his card of admission his surety of welcome the lost rag doll of the daughter of the house dangling under his arm fuzzy was admitted into a great hall dim with the glow from unseen lights the hireling went away and returned with a maid and a child the doll was restored to the morning one she clasped her lost darling to her breast and then with the inordinate selfishness and candor of childhood stamped her foot and whined hatred and fear of the odious being who had rescued her from the depths of sorrow and despair fuzzy wriggled himself into an ingratiatory attitude and essayed the idiotic smile and blattering small talk that is supposed to charm the budding intellect of the young the child bawled and was dragged away hugging her betsy close there came the secretary pale poised polished gliding in pumps and worshipping pomp and ceremony he counted out into fuzzy's hand ten ten-dollar bills then dropped his eye upon the door transferred it to james its custodian indicated the obnoxious earner of the reward with the other and allowed his pumps to waft him away to secretarial regions james gathered fuzzy with his own commanding optic and swept him as far as the front door when the money touched fuzzy's dingy palm his first instinct was to take to his heels but a second thought restrained him from that blunder of etiquette it was his it had been given him it and oh what an elysium it opened to the gaze of his mind's eye he had tumbled to the foot of the ladder he was hungry homeless friendless ragged cold drifting and he held in his hand the key to a paradise of the mud honey that he craved the fairy doll had waved a wand with her rag-stuffed hand and now wherever he might go 
the enchanted palaces with shining footrests and magic red fluids in gleaming glassware would be open to him he followed james to the door he paused there as the flunkey drew open the great mahogany portal for him to pass into the vestibule beyond the wrought-iron gates in the dark highway black riley and his two pals casually strolled fingering under their coats the inevitably fatal weapons that were to make the reward of the rag doll theirs fuzzy stopped at the millionaire's door and bethought himself like little sprigs of mistletoe on a dead tree certain living green thoughts and memories began to decorate his confused mind he was quite drunk mind you and the present was beginning to fade those wreaths and festoons of holly with their scarlet berries making the great hall gay where had he seen such things before somewhere he had known polished floors and odors of fresh flowers in winter and and someone was singing a song in the house that he thought he had heard before someone singing and playing a harp of course it was christmas fuzzy thought he must have been pretty drunk to have overlooked that and then he went out of the present and there came back to him out of some impossible vanished and irrevocable past a little pure white transient forgotten ghost the spirit of noblesse oblige upon a gentleman certain things devolve james opened the outer door a stream of light went down the gravelled walk to the iron gate black riley mccarthy and one ear mike saw and carelessly drew their sinister cordon closer about the gate with a more imperious gesture than james's master had ever used or could ever use fuzzy compelled the menial to close the door upon a gentleman certain things devolve especially at the christmas season it is cus customary he said to james the flustered when a gentleman calls on christmas eve to pass the compliments of the season with the lady of the house you understand i shall not move step till i pass compliments season with lady the house understand there was an argument james lost fuzzy raised his voice and sent it through the house unpleasantly i did not say he was a gentleman he was simply a tramp being visited by a ghost a sterling silver bell rang james went back to answer it leaving fuzzy in the hall james explained somewhere to someone then he came and conducted fuzzy into the library the lady entered a moment later she was more beautiful and holy than any picture that fuzzy had seen she smiled and said something about a doll fuzzy didn't understand that he remembered nothing about a doll a footman brought in two small glasses of sparkling wine on a stamped sterling silver waiter the lady took one the other was handed to fuzzy as his fingers closed on the slender glass stem his disabilities dropped from him for one brief moment he straightened himself and time 
so disobliging to most of us, turned backward to accommodate Fuzzy. Forgotten Christmas ghosts, whiter than the false beards of the most opulent Kris Kringle, were rising in the fumes of Grogan's whiskey. What had the millionaire's mansion to do with a long, wainscoted Virginia hall, where the riders were grouped around a silver punch bowl, drinking the ancient toast of the house? And why should the patter of the cab horse's hoofs on the frozen street be in any wise related to the sound of the saddled hunters stamping under the shelter of the west veranda? And what had Fuzzy to do with any of it? The lady, looking at him over her glass, let her condescending smile fade away like a false dawn. Her eyes turned serious. She saw something beneath the rags and Scotch terrier whiskers that she did not understand, but it did not matter. Fuzzy lifted his glass and smiled vacantly. But pardon, lady, he said but couldn't leave without exchanging compliments season with lady the house against principles gentlemen do show and then he began the ancient salutation that was a tradition in the house when men wore lace ruffles and powder the blessings of another year fuzzy's memory failed him the lady prompted be upon this hearth the guest stammered fuzzy and upon her who continued the lady with a leading smile oh cut it out said fuzzy ill-manneredly i can't remember drink hearty fuzzy had shot his arrow they drank the lady smiled again the smile of her caste james enveloped and reconducted him toward the front door the harp music still softly drifted through the house outside black riley breathed on his cold hands and hugged the gate i wonder said the lady to herself musing who but there were so many who came i wonder whether memory is a curse or a blessing to them after they have fallen so low fuzzy and his escort were nearly at the door the lady called james James stalked back obsequiously, leaving Fuzzy waiting unsteadily, with his brief spark of the divine fire gone. Outside, Black Riley stamped his cold feet and got a firmer grip on his section of gas pipe. You will conduct this gentleman, said the lady, downstairs, then tell Lewis to get out the Mercedes and take him to whatever place he wishes to go. End of story 16. Compliments of the season.